Welcome to Escape This Podcast, a show that's a mix between tabletop role-playing and escape room puzzles, but not really today because we're not doing an actual room. We're just doing some talking about how puzzles and all of that stuff works and a bit more designy stuff. Yeah, so at the end of our first season, way back in 2002, <laughs> when was that for 2017? Yeah, I think um, so. Uh, we spent some time between the end of that season and the start of uh, Children of Mysaris doing some bonus episodes about room design and puzzle design, etc. And even though I felt like I had no idea what I was talking about because I'm talking about my own experience, definitely not what works for everybody, but people, people seem to like it. People seem to find it helpful. Yeah, so we figured, look, we it's, it's always nice to, to... We're finishing off another year. We've got some time before our Christmas episode. So we figure we talk about maybe revisiting the same sort of subjects with effectively like another two years worth of, of, uh, yeah, of I'd only experience. Done, like I designed, what, 14 rooms myself at that yes, stage? Yes, and you've now designed 50-something? Yeah. 52, 53, so something like that? Something's got to have changed since then, surely. Um, before I try to figure out whether anything at all in my process or results have changed, have you noticed anything? I don't know. That's actually a very good point. There's definitely stuff that changed. Like, you can look at that first season that we did and you can see changes in in the approach as that season goes on, right? As we're refining the idea, right? So if you look back at that first season, like, re-listening to episode one and two and, and three, there's this testing what puzzles make sense in an audio space. Mm. Like, there were, like, two separate maths puzzles in the first episode alone. Mm. Um, and that's something that's really sort of disappeared as time has gone by. Even in that first season, those maths puzzles have gone. Um, there's a logic puzzle in episode three, uh, and we then didn't have another logic puzzle until a recent guest episode. Mm. Is there, were they, was that a conscious decision? Did you have to sit and say, okay, I've, I've done them, listened to them back. I don't think maths puzzles work. Or did it just sort of not feel as fun? I think that a large part was going from friends as the guests to people that obviously have experience in puzzles and that sort of stuff. But mm. I don't know them personally. I don't know where their interests are. I don't know where their abilities are. So I can't just throw things at them when I have no idea. So I had to try to think of it more like a real escape room owner when you have to say, cool. This has got to have the broadest possible accessibility. Okay. And logic puzzles like that, not everyone has experience with that, especially not enough to draw out their own grids and things like that. And I've only seen a logic puzzle like that once in a real escape room. Really? Have I done that room? Yes. Which room? Is it Manly? I mean, I, I took charge of it. I don't remember. <laughs> also, this the fact that you've got to consider exactly how much time things are going to take on podcast and how they're going to sound. Mm. Logic puzzles, they can work, but you've got to be really careful about making sure that they're still accessible when the it players is, are it, talking. I do remember specifically the extent to which editing those yeah. becomes quite hard because to, to have someone listening follow that chain of thought is quite difficult. It's definitely not something you can solve yourself just by listening. Mm. You might be able to follow a little bit of the logic really that the characters are. Yeah. Um, well, is there anything that other than that that you found you've, you've wanted to use less of as time goes by in terms of puzzles? Anything that you've designed, not just in that first season, but in any of our seasons where you've thought, mm, that didn't really hit? Hmm. That's a good question. I don't 
No, I think it's been more the other way where I've gone more <laughs> into things. Like initially anything magic related I mm. wanted to totally discount because I felt like that's a bit unfair. But I've been leaning into that a little bit more. I've still been trying to make it kind of fair. Yeah. And, well, I suppose but, that makes sense because if you go too far into things that exist purely magically... Just you, like in a real escape exactly, room, you run out you of any kind some of logical, sort of connection. Yeah, so people aren't going to solve that. They're going to go, oh, who knows what will happen when I do this, that exactly. or the other. Did you find that was an issue? Because one of the things that I was wary about with that was Descent of the Culladans. Mm. Because we did Descent of the Culladans, and Descent of the Culladans had a few mechanics mm -hmm. that were triggered by ghosts. So there couldn't really, on the player's end, be an understanding of, if I do this thing, here is mechanically what will happen. Because the mechanism in that case is a ghost. You know, it's if I blow out these candles. Well, actually, that one made sense because we knew how it would affect a ghost. Like, was it, was that a was that a worry when things were triggered? By like, why would melting this ice cream do anything? Oh, it's because a ghost gets trapped. It in was the... definitely a worry. I tried to make it. So I, I tried to follow the Deus Ex Machina rule a bit. Of the Deus Ex Machina can get you into trouble. It cannot get you out. Mm. But I also did put that at the end of every room. There needed to be something in the room to catch the ghost, and that's always going to be some True. form of magic thing. So I figured that one specifically. You knew that you were trying to essentially catch a ghost. And that something in the room would have an attachment to the ghost. It's not an unheard of concept for an object to have attachment to yep, that's, no, that's fair. a thing. So I tried to, again, reason it, rationalize it. But, yeah, having a random object suck a ghost into it is always going to be that little bit of a leap. But I tried to make it so that the players wouldn't be too caught off guard by that, by sure. that stage. But for the most part, I think I tried to make the ghosts cause problems for you. Okay, And fair. not solve your Rather problems. Rather become solutions. Exactly. Um, is like, there... oh no, you can't open that door, ghosts. <laughs> fair, fair. Is there anything that you've, that you've done in a room where... Where you you think where that's been like a worry during design, where you've 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 come up with how you wanted to get somewhere, right? And 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 because of because you're embracing slightly weirder mechanics, you know, having having animals do things, mm. and you know, I know like in season uh, three we had like oh, and then a then a donkey runs in and it's got this. <laughs> Has there ever been moments of designing <laughs> designing those sorts of. <laughs> Uh, anyway. uh, designing those sorts of, of, of moments in rooms where during the design process or maybe during the final episode on reflection, you thought, okay, that really, that's too much of a leap. I hope that if something feels like that, then you catch it in the playtests and just... Oh, don't rely on me. Don't, uh, I, I don't want to change things, but being able to hint things and just write an extra couple of sentences to make it feel like it makes more logical sense... Yeah, I wouldn't say that I'm not worried about that sort of thing. Hell, I've even got one in the last episode that I completely finished writing that's just a mm. little bit like that. It's not magic. It's not anything else. It's just one thing in the room that you have to do triggers something opening and it's not But the active. trigger isn't super obvious. It's Well, it will be when I say it. Okay. Like, it's going to say, oh, I guess when you did this, this opened Yeah. because of this. But it's not a direct connection, so I still feel like I have to work hard to make that direct connection mm. obvious, and I try to put it there, even if it doesn't feel like a thing. Basically, if you didn't have me there to narrate for you, it wouldn't make sense. 
Okay. But I'm hoping yeah, that, that using that sense. narration helps. Yeah. And that is always something like that's a, that's that's the thing that happens in real escape room sometimes, right? But you know, have these these mm. remote triggers, whether it's done by a GM with a button or whether it's done by a complex RFID. I'm sure if we system. had a narrator for games like that, more of those <laughs> weird make puzzles sense. would make sense. But yeah, because it's always a weird feeling that. when you just like finish doing a puzzle and then a door magically opens. Exactly. You kind of think, oh, you know, like it makes much more sense when there's, you know, the bottom of a desk drops out when you put a puzzle mm-hmm. on top of the desk. Cool. That, you know, that's lovely. But when it's put a puzzle on a desk and then the door in the other corner opens, it's kind of like, oh, okay. Mm. I hope I heard it because otherwise we've had, that, we've, we've had that happen before, haven't we? We've triggered something and didn't hear that hear it trigger. Oh, then we just like searching around, times. came back and then realized there was a whole new door open. Went, oh, sure. where was this door? They absolutely. Um, bad things happen where the lights went out, so everyone just sort of went ah, and because everyone went ah, we didn't hear something open. So then we just had to search yes. around for ages. That yeah. was the thing. So yeah, there are all sorts of things where the players have to make connections, and luckily I'm in a position where because I'm narrator GMing, I can you help can that draw, yeah, and I you, don't you have You can force attention somewhere yeah. by telling them, this is where your attention exactly. is now. Exactly. Uh, that's a nice relief. I'm trying to think now if any real room has had that problem where you interact with something and it opens a door somewhere else, but it was a magic-y themed thing mm. and how forgivable that is. There are definitely all sorts of like secret spies, cults, all that sort of stuff who just have secret doors. True, true. And that seems Thematic. to be where it works but i wonder i'm just trying to think how satisfactory is that or how much do you want there to feel like there is a still real connection between those Mm. or is it acceptable like do you find it acceptable to say well this is just a really high-tech super spy group i guess they have this stuff it can be it can be because sometimes that's more immersive right like Mm. you know the putting the password here and suddenly some secret door slides open that you didn't like that makes sense in a you want that to happen in a cool secret Mm. spy room so it is. It is interesting. Like it, it's often. Done, it's usually done well. Like people who design escape rooms are not dumb, right? Like they 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 know how to make things feel good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. Do you think? It, so that's one of those things that's changed over time, right? That you your your rooms have gotten slowly more outlandish. I'm more willing in to lean into the crazy. Is that something you think you'll be embracing more of, or embracing more in in twenty twenty? Apparently right? so far, not so much, based <laughs> on the rooms that I've done. Why is that? Because we've talked before about the fact that, that an audio version of an escape room can deal with it, things that, that real rooms can't do. We can have real magic and insanity and, and weird stuff that you would be very hard to do physically. But in general, I feel like our room is strayed pretty close to what you could achieve in a real escape room. Oh, really? Maybe not in the practicalities of many people trying it, but in terms of things triggering other things, I don't think there's... We haven't gone too far past what you can do with some fancy RFID chips or a GM with a button. Interesting. So... One thing I feel like I have changed in that regard is I feel mm. like I'm relying a lot more heavily on NPCs. That is true. That is true. But we, I mean, we've never really done rooms with actors, so that's something that also could be a bit more true. involved. I mean, really, you're just oh. playing the actor. So, is there, like, is there, is there something? Is there more that we could do in the space to really push past what's possible? I think that's going to depend on the players more than me. Like, I could do that, I guess. Though I'd feel bad. I just don't want to do anything that requires 
logic leaps, and that doesn't just mean things where I've got my own train of logic and it's impossible for someone else to follow mm. it, but because we are getting people who are experienced with this sort of thing, and while I don't want to just provide a stock standard, here's the same thing you've done a million times before, I don't want it to be 100% different No, that's either. true. That's fair. That makes sense. Because then people, like, it's always interesting. There's such a fine line between I've never had to do this before. That's super cool. And I've never had to do this before. What is How this? How I've known what to do. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. I wonder if one of the things that we could play with, and, and I know this is going to sound silly knowing what next uh, season's theme is, mm. but I wonder if one of the things that we could play with is time, mm-hmm. but in specifically like, your character within the within the escape rooms time right like so you you solve some part of the puzzle and then your character leaves and comes back in 10 years <laughs> and on on the show that's just we're continuing to play but like things have changed based on what you said i suppose the problem there is you can't go back and fix things yeah um, it's interesting in the same way like so like jen's uh, when jen mctague had the room um that she just ran for us you know that had the time travel yeah, and i, I said in that way that a time travel an individual time travel room is really quite difficult but i wonder if there's a way to control like like a room can only be once a room is fully solved right gating the full solution oh, it's of a definitely room, possible and then coming back in 10 years we got to see what's happened like and doing it that way segmented almost like three mini escape rooms exactly that take- that's super doable i could definitely work with that i'm a little bit surprised that i haven't i guess yeah, yeah I, it's just something that could be... Definitely a possible thing. The one thing about that is if you are recurring the same place, you have to make something quite drastic have happened. Otherwise, it's just the same items and mm. the same possible connections between True. things. And you've got to make sure that everything somehow is, is the is same enough different. that it's the same location, but is different enough that you're not repeating anything. But though even, even now as we talk about this, it's still not something in the escape room wouldn't be able to do because we Absolutely know someone's not. building an escape room based pretty totally. much around this entire idea. It's very doable. Um. <laughs> it's very much doable. That's why I said, wow, I'm surprised that I haven't mm. tried. Like, not even, I haven't done this yet. I haven't tried to do this even in my head yet. I suppose based on that, is that a goal of yours? Would you, would you like to make rooms that are only possible in an audio space? Uh, or, or is that just something fun that happens organically sometimes? Eh. Yeah, I think that that's an organic thing. Like, I I really quite like Descent of the Culladins, and there's no way that you... Well, there are little alterations you can make, I guess, and technology is so fancy nowadays that you probably could do a real room version of it. You might be able to. Um, but... If someone wants to donate a lot of money, we could build a Culladin house. <laughs> if you want to give us... Look, if... Okay, the 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 $100,000 a month Patreon reward mm. will be we will build a Culladin house. Yeah. Somewhere. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think of myself as having those sorts of goals, like about functional goals. Do you have goals in that, in that, do you have any goals? Do you have goals in terms of what you would like to be able to achieve with the room Uh, design or are you just designing? I'm like, you know, I'm from the story background. I just want to be Mm. able to tell good stories through this. That's why I started doing arcs in the first place because I wanted to see if that was a manageable thing. So, so was that so when we last did puzzle design episodes, it was before. Yeah, it was all single rooms. So, why don't we let's talk about let's talk about arc design Mm. uh, because we've sort of got there organically. Yeah, and we've talked a little bit about them after arcs and things like that. So let's let's talk if so if you're designing a new arc, which you're currently in the in the process of doing. What is the first idea 
to start? Like, how do you start with an arc? Do you have room ideas that start start to suggest Not an arc? Even or? a little bit. So well, let's let's walk through it. What's the first step? If if someone wants to design a, a series of escape rooms that all fit a, a continued story arc, what's the first step? I need to come up with the. I suppose the thing that will link all of the settings first, mm -hmm. like for Descent of the Culladins, it was, I want to do a Luigi's Mansion. Okay, sure. For Children, Children of Mysaurus, I want to do a weird cult mystery. Okay. And for the new one, do we have we told people what the new arc is going to be have. thematically? Do we want to say right now? I don't know. Do we? Yeah. Okay, we can. So, yeah, this one is, this one, I, I wanted to use this one as a chance to learn uh, about my weakest subject, <laughs> not sport somehow um history so i wanted to make it a connected by time travel thing so just starting with that time travel okay and so you come up with a theme first yes this is, the, 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 is this the same as if you were writing a story if you're writing a short story you've written short stories you've written you've written hmm. novels and things like it, it, do you come up with a, a theme like an overarching it's like this as, as your first step Ooh, or is it a different situation that's much trickier because for short stories, it's just a single thing. That's much more like designing a single room. I suppose. As for writing, yeah. Uh, for writing a full-on novel-length thing, yeah, I suppose it is like that. You just come up with the main idea. Mm, that sounds... The flavour. Uh, well, no, because that makes it sound like I'm saying, I want to write a tragedy. <laughs> and no. Is that I, not how it happens? No, it's more specific than that. Like, I didn't say, yeah, I want to write something farcically horror for mm. Descent of the Culladins. I specifically went, I want something Luigi's Mansion y. Yeah. So it's a little bit more story specific still. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, but then after that, it's take some time and think, okay, what can you split? What is a story that can follow you through 10 parts? Okay. This. Has there been, have you had ideas before that you've thrown out because you think 10 parts won't make sense? Um, they've definitely changed over time. Like initially, Descent of the Culladins was not one. I'm assuming that we can spoil things. Oh, okay, sure. So spoilers for Descent of the Culladins. Yeah, if you haven't listened to it, um, skip forward a little bit, I mm. guess. Sorry. Yeah, the initial concept of that was not one ghost behind everything. Mm, it was a collection. It was of, that yeah. there were still several ghosts and then by collecting the others it's like you released one ultra powerful ghost or something. Mm. Um I never wanted Bill to be the villain though. That was never on the cards. <laughs> even everyone thought yeah. it was, even me. But then so like oh let's see if I can find that in my notebook. Mm -hmm. Exactly where I started. I'm sure I've said this before. All right. So yeah, the first notes I have Say, Luigi's Mansion. Exorcisms because too many ghosts cause interdimensional rift. Ooh. There should only be nine, but your first escaped and possessed something slash someone. Uh, that would be like the recurring into the tenth room. Exactly. Okay, so that's nothing how it turned Not out. Not particularly, no. Okay, so, so you came up with a theme. You came up with mm -hmm. something that justified ten individual iterations yeah. of that theme. At what point does that start to change? Because obviously that has changed. Apparently pretty bloody quickly because I have a little X underneath that <laughs> and then immediately no. I've got a new summary that is the current summary. So do you think, would you have started designing rooms before you changed the summary or do you really no. cement the, the concept of the arc before you Very start designing? Very much so. Okay. Yeah, I did not have, I, I would not start designing the rooms without knowing that. 
Because, again, I suppose it's like, even if the room doesn't have an NPC in it, it needs to have some sort of character feel to it. It needs to be able to fit that. It's almost like, I don't know, the, the feel of an NPC has to be there somewhere, even if the NPC I don't know, isn't a human as such. Mm. You can't have the room on its own and then try to fit the meta story around it. I mean, sure. maybe you can. I can't. So, I wonder if we could. Yeah. I wonder if we could do that. I wonder if that'd be a fun project to look at. It's to just like look how, at, it's like making singing in the rain. Exactly right. If we could singing in the rain together in arc. Uh, so for people who aren't aware, we're talking about musicals like Singing in the Rain that were not originally written and then the songs put in to fit with it. They were written because they had a bunch of songs that they could use and they went, let's make a movie out of these. I guess. Mm. Just had them. They had the rights to a bunch of songs. They'd written them for other stuff. And then, okay. Let's patch them together into a fun Frankenstein. And that terrifies me. I am not good at that. It's a good musical, though. Mm. Oh, totally. But you've got to admit, at least one song doesn't every, feel like it makes yeah, sense. Every now and then, when you get to a scene in Singing in the Rain where it's just suddenly like they stop and go, hey, let's sing a song. And, you know, like the whole uh, <laughs> gotta dance that just comes out of nowhere and is in the middle of there. And you can mm. you can tell why. Um, okay, so you... so. First step is now you, you, you come up with a theme, mm-hmm. you work it until it makes sense within 10, within 10 rooms. Yep. And is it then just the same process as a normal season? Design each room in turn? Still not exactly. So what I do then is I just, I'm, I'm actually flipping back between my Descent of the Culladins and my current time travel arc ones. To see if there's any difference. There's so much similarity. Oh, cool. It's almost exactly the same. You time travel to ten different ghosts. So the next thing, after I make my one paragraph that is the real summary, it's even exactly the same thing. For this time travel arc, I have a couple of lines, Mm. and then I've written a big line underneath it it and rewritten it in a new form that's going to be the actual current form. It wasn't bad, the first one, necessarily. Sure. I just didn't think... I, I thought it was too repetitive and didn't have enough heart and fair. character behind it. Fair, fair. So then I come up with what the ten rooms are going to be. Mm-hmm. And usually it's seven or eight regular ones, and then the last two are very story-heavy. So sure. they're a little bit different. They don't quite fit with the others 100%, or what's going to happen in them and what's going to be in them isn't going to be the same as what you've been doing for the last eight episodes. Okay. And I'm sure you could feel that, is like, that, with Michelle, like oh, Michelle's yes, Attic. Hugely. Totally different yeah, one. Yeah, that, that's definitely how it felt. Is that a very deliberate choice? Very much so. Why? Why not have each room progress the story a fairly equal amount so things are just happening constantly? Because every good story has a twist. <laughs> so it's a, it, Every it good story has on. to have, like, I, I don't know, this feels like a thing where you follow the progression. I don't remember the steps of the hero's journey well, or the, do, say, the dodecagon of whatever. <laughs> there's 12 steps to a hero's journey. Why don't you do 12 uh, step rooms where each room is a step of the hero's journey? Because 12 is a lot. In this room, you're going to reject the call. <laughs> In this room, you just don't want to do it. In this room, you are defeated. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Oh no, you lost this. Well, you, that's great. You know, you, well, I mean, we we had that. We had that room eight, descent of the Culladins, trying to capture the gardener. Precisely, he gets away. You get defeated. You've just done the hero's journey, Danny. Well, the, okay, let's look at descent no, of the no, Culladins no, no, no. and the that's hero's journey I'm at the same sa- time. <laughs> I'm saying you can certainly follow these steps. Uh, like you follow the traditional story, and there has to be some setback towards like towards the end. But sure. that also means the stakes have changed. Things have changed. And so I like to be able to do that. Like, I feel like Children of Mysara sort of did that as well. Mm. It's cool. Episode 9 
everything is released, hell is unleashed, and you were a part of that. Sucks to be you, now you're stuck in a cube. But it's essentially, I suppose, I, I suppose a big part of it tends to be not you were part of the problem all along, not mm. necessarily, because... In something like this, that can often be too obvious. Yeah. The actions the actions that you're taking. They're actually bad. If, if you're doing the same actions for eight episodes yeah. and they're all a little bit questionable, someone's going to actually pretty, yeah, ask someone's questions. Someone's going to question it, yeah. Um, so you can't just do that. But there's got to be some sort of thing where you you just did something wrong. Sure. And so the last bits is, okay, now i got to fix this. So in Descent of the Culladins, it was my assumptions about what was going on were all wrong. And now I have to yeah. fix things in a different way than I thought was the right way to fix things. Sure. All right. Now, the other thing that you add into these after, because we'll talk maybe about room design approach mm-hmm. afterwards, because we, we, that's general, not particular to arcs. Yeah. One of the other things that you design for arcs is usually a, is, is a meta puzzle, right? A puzzle that gets pieced together from clues within that arc. That's true. What was... Oh, right. It was a name for Descent of the Culladins. So, yeah, Descent of Culladins, we were collecting letters hmm. that became a name. For uh, Children of My Cyrus, we were collecting letters that spelled yeah, out code. a location. Uh, those are not things that go for all 10 episodes. You you resolve those, like, around the 7th to the 8th episode. Exactly. Was, like, it's, it seems to be the resolution of the meta puzzle that leads to the... The Absolutely. twist and the more story mm-hmm. happening. Or usually a little bit before that. Like, I know Shudam Osiris led to the school. Yeah. And the school episode led to the twist. Yes, that's in true. In a certain way. It, um, the, Mich- yeah. the Michelle one... That one was very was much a, bit- a case of, yeah, you can't keep dragging this out for too long. Yeah, so... so Michelle I actually came up with, mm. like, right at the start. Take a look at how early I wrote that in my notes. Oh, wow. That's like it's the immediate- third thing written. Exactly. So I wrote my paragraph that I rejected. I wrote my paragraph that I accepted. And then it says, girl equals Michelle. Mm. I did just go straight to our Patreon and say, cool, is there someone with eight letters in their name? Okay, so you knew you wanted it to be eight clues yep. to get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what is it that makes you decide the length of a meta puzzle? Meta puzzle? How early is too early to finish a meta puzzle? How late is too late? Obviously, hmm. 10 would be too late. 10 would be too or late. Would it, like, why, why not have it... Why not have the solution to the meta puzzle be the 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 crowning achievement that solves the big bad puzzle? Why not why not be building towards this thing the whole time and then solve it to banish the evil butt? Hmm, I guess I feel like the solution to a I, I've never considered the solution to a meta puzzle to be a conclusion. Hmm. And I've always considered it just one more thing to lead into story, and I've considered story to be the conclusion rather than puzzle be the conclusion. How interesting from yeah. a from a from a show that is about puzzles. I mm. mean, it was about story, but well, I mean, lots of people say that they have that sort of problem with escape rooms. Is that it's just okay? You find the final code, you open the door, and you're done. Fair. So a, a meta puzzle over ten episodes would be like you find the final code, you put it in, and then it finishes. Yeah. And I also, I think I sort of feel like because you've got listeners who are at home and can do things on their own time. They'll just solve it. Exactly. It's <laughs> and then, always and then a possibility. you can't have a bit too big a, 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 a follow through. It's like those moments where they're like, and it was actually this person. And mm-hmm. the whole audience goes, yeah. Like, imagine. What, what about it? Imagine if for Descent of the Culladins, the secret word that were being spelled out was not Michelle, which is still a puzzle in itself. It's yeah. still curious. What if it was Bill Evil? Yeah, true, and everyone already solves it, yeah. and then you reveal it, expecting everyone to go ooh, and they they don't because they Super all know. Not. Yeah, exactly. Fair. fair. 
Whereas if I'd left it as something as ambiguous as Michelle, but that was only revealed in the final episode, it wouldn't feel like any payoff was there. Well, this would be a fun discussion to have with Alex Hirsch. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving clues to discover twists. Um, uh, if you're listening, Alex. <laughs> uh, okay, so, so, so that's, that's the, the meta puzzle idea. Do you know then... Like, how did you how did you decide when it would kick in? Because for like ch- for Children of Osiris, it kicks in a little bit earlier than Descent of the Cullens. Mm. What made you pick that moment as this is how long the meta puzzle should last? Because it was a fairly arbitrary moment. Like it just felt like we were getting the location mm. from each person as we defeated them, and then we had to get f- figure out the next location ourselves. But you could have just had someone say, "Oh, the next location is the school." What was it that made that change important? You're not wrong. I wonder. Let's go back <laughs> to the notes for Do you have any ones. ideas? Huh. <laughs> I specifically have my structure written out. Ten episodes, one intro, five finds, one extra find using prior info, two locating enemy, and one showdown. Okay. So, so you I like guess that segmented was, it that yeah, way. Yeah. And that was when I just said, cool, this was my first time doing it, so I knew there was going to be a meta puzzle but I hadn't figured out what it was going to be or how it was going to work yet. So I guess I decided on the structure that I thought would work story-wise. Okay. Was that about story or was that about, I don't know, like not, not like, like a gameplay aspect of it? Mm, uh, or was it just It's hard to remember, but knowing me, it was just all story. Okay. I think for these ones, I try to go very narrative. You notice, I don't know how much you'll notice, I have a lot more writing. Like, this is my Descent of the Culloden mm. stuff. I've got this much writing before I even start drawing out sure. the first episode. Sure, That's sure. quite a few pages. Whereas for a regular episode, there's nothing. Yeah. I, I have one sentence on the side, like for this one. Imposter Hen is trained to steal eggs and take them to neighbor's farm. You're guiding farmer around. That's all. That's, that's all I have for that the, chicken the farm episode. As opposed to yeah, yeah. I I need to know what the narrative of a room is, but I don't need excruciating detail. Sure. But for these ones, I want every aspect of the story planned out first. The I don't want to make the puzzles incidental. That feels like a betrayal as well. So I need to then work really hard to make sure that they do fit and that each room feels important from a puzzle perspective as well. Mm. Okay, I feel so- like that's actually. A reasonable amount of challenge. Yeah. So, so what is so the next step? You're designing rooms, but you're designing rooms not the way you normally would. Mm. So, what is it about puzzles that, like, what would it be a puzzle that wouldn't fit thematically, or would be a betrayal of the theme? Like, how does that, how does that fit? Can, is that something you can explain, or is it sometimes they just have a feeling? I suppose it's really ones that just feel like they could be dismissed. Ones that didn't need to be there, where if you cut, where if you cut them out, nothing would change, mm-hmm. and that's why I feel like having some sort of NPC presence to be interacting with, even if it's not an actual physical NPC in the room with you, feels important because it makes your actions feel more important when it's impacting to... someone else. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but it's definitely not an easy thing. Fair. So. When you are designing puzzles, rather than thinking of what to take out, are there are there aspects to puzzles to the to the actual like design of them, the type of them, what what sort of puzzles you would use that you're constructing to fit the theme of the arc? Like you know, you're dealing with a mansion with ghosts. Does that lead naturally towards certain types of puzzles, or can you do pretty much any type of puzzle, and then it's how you dress it to make it fit the theme? 
I suppose in theory, you, I, I reckon you could just come up with a puzzle. Like, I really want to use this puzzle and then dress it up to fit the theme. Of course, that's not how I tend to do things because I design the rooms first. You design first. them based on the and things that are in the room. coming up with a moment where you say, all right, I think there needs to be a puzzle here is the absolute last thing I do. Sure. So for me, it's always coming up with things that would fit the room rather than the other way around. But I wouldn't say it's impossible. Okay, fair. Um, so let's talk. Is, is there anything about, about arc design that that, that, that is different or interesting like once you've got it set and you're building the rooms to fit it the uh, the the main story must stay pretty much the same or have you found that once you've designed rooms it starts to influence what the the meta story will be in tiny ways never anything as substantial as rocking the entire main plot but there are little things for sure um usually this comes in the I have a big section here saying how much is revealed per episode. Mm. And that's definitely a big thing with extended arcs, especially when you've got an overarching mystery of some sort. And there always should be, I feel, but maybe that's just me because I like mystery. Maybe some people wouldn't mind that. Like I had trouble with this time travel arc because I didn't want it to just be cool. You go to a time, you do a thing, you come back. You go to a time, you do a thing, you come back because that doesn't feel like it's connected. That's disjointed. I needed something to connect them all. So this is why I used the NPC, um, as you'll find out, to connect everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, as you do the individual things, exactly how much of the mystery gets revealed or exactly what certain motivations are can change things. Um, let's take a look. I, I wonder, just reading my notes about how much is revealed per episode, you tell me if there's anything that's <laughs> changed. So, like, how much is revealed per episode? Owner plus driver died in car crash. Imply father is the head ghost and his employees are ghost underlings. At end, Mira catches spirit piece and frees you from car. Bill asks you to bring it to him for examination. Before leaving, you see stay out of my home on house. Yep. Has anything story-wise changed yet? Not really. First episode, so probably not. All right. Yeah, how about, um, okay, gardener plants trees to conceal upstairs windows. Bill realizes his item, these the items don't contain full spirits. Learn name Michelle. When was that? Well, that's the garden episode. Okay. Is that when that happens? I mean, so I that is when you right, learn yeah. the name Michelle and plant, trees planted. The idea of the items not containing full spirits was never really no, a thing that was explored. Not really. Like, you found out that they certainly weren't the ghosts of who they said that they were. Mm. And you obviously, since Michelle was still roaming free by the end, you obviously hadn't been capturing things. But it was never a thing that needed exploring in any more detail. No, it was just... Even though it may have still been a background factor, I guess. It definitely was, yeah. But, yeah, so little things. Okay. Cool. Like, that's a pretty tiny aspect. <laughs> sure. Um, all right, so so we've got the, the idea of how to design an arc with rooms in it. So let's look at rooms again. Mm-hmm. So we, we've talked a lot in that original designing a room episode about your process for designing a room. Mm. Has that, is that still pretty much the way you design a room today? Has that, has that changed over time? I'm looking back and I'm trying to find out exactly when things changed. Because initially, yeah, my notes were... I didn't have as many diagrams and arrows and things, but I'm trying to figure out when that changed. 
looking back, way back season one, I would segment out things a lot more. Season one, what I tended to do in the very early episodes was say, all right, here are your two tasks that you have to do. Mm. And then I would separate the things in the room based on which task they would go okay, with. Okay, interesting. So that was a different approach. Yeah. But that's not the approach that you'd mentioned. In the, by, by the time we did that first episode, you already talked about an object-based Yeah, I moved approach. on very quickly. And I won't say, look, I still started with the objects that were in the room. Mm. That, that was still very much true. It's just that after I drew out the room and all the objects that were in it, I said, cool, here are the things that you need to do. Um, you've broken into speakeasy to get stuff back sneaked in but are locked in goons on the way and so you need to get out and find your stuff Mm -hmm. things like that so i very much started with saying what your separate goals were and you can see in my notes things aren't all interconnected they're all in they're all in very separate blocks of of, of yeah and the first couple of rooms are like that but (laughs) room three was the one where i already started overcomplicating things, so I started uh, connecting everything in that regard. Sure. Um, but even then, it still doesn't quite look the same. It was as if I tried to sell out in my very linear fashion like I did in the first ones. But then by room number four, I started having everything that was all arrowed up. Mm. So, yeah, it only took me three rooms to realise eh, everything needs to be more muddled. <laughs> sure. And it, it feels good when things are, are, are more muddled. Yeah, it, it I think so. It feels more organic in a way. And that's exactly how things and are And so that's now. still the manner Every- by which you design a room today. You start, you, you build your room, you put the items that make sense within that room, you draw arrows between each one to say what would go to what mm-hmm. to go to what, and then design puzzles last. Yeah, and then I try to say, okay, so what are the logical paths that progress between things that are, I guess, your aha moments, not your puzzles? And then I, at the very end, am left with about three or four arrows that have nothing above them but feel like, cool, it seems like a puzzle should connect these things together. Mm. Like this thing, yeah, this could be locked. <laughs> uh, let's use this thing to show you how to unlock it. Now let's try to make sense about why the, I don't know, the coffee pot would help you unlock the VCR. you got to try to make some reason sure. that that makes sense, but it's okay suddenly. Great, you've just got a puzzle. That's all good. Sure. So and I think that lo- trying to make that logic happen is something I've definitely uh, focused on a bit more in the early episodes. Yeah, you can just put them anywhere. <laughs> they're in the same room, therefore they're connected enough. Okay, fair. Um, the only thing you've got to avoid with that is saying, okay, well, it would make sense for the computer password, if there's going to be a computer password hint... Well, someone would probably leave it near the computer <laughs> Fair. without just putting everything exactly where you need it as well. Yeah. So is there a point where something's too logical? You don't want it to feel just like being in a normal room? You want to add a couple layers of abstract puzzle thought to it? Oh, for sure. That said, I don't know, you're saying unlike a normal room. I feel I feel like that's exactly... I mean, unlike a normal human's room, not a normal escape room. Oh, I see. Like, in a normal room. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know. That's why I've said before, I'm sick of chairs. I never want to see another chair in a room again, because <laughs> there's only so much you can do with chairs, but they are logically everywhere. Yes, because people sit. And it's really frustrating. You set everything in a future utopia, dystopia, where no one sits anymore. Mm. I don't know whether that's utopian or dystopian. Yeah. To never well, it depends. Do you have a hover chamber or not? Uh, n- no. 
Oh, that sucks. But you don't have legs either. What? Everyone's just a torso. This and they is... drag themselves along the I'm ground. I'm not writing it's this It's a room. utopia. <laughs> a legless utopia. Um, okay, so uh, so your room design pretty much has, has stayed the same. You haven't... You haven't uh, you, you I don't found a formula so. that works for you. Yeah, and I feel sort of bad about that now because it feels like you're going, ah, oh, two years, what's changed? Nothing. Nah, I'm perfect. <laughs> Great, I got, I got it in one. Um... <laughs> Is there anything that you found, have you considered, have you tried changing that method or is this just the only way it works for you? Uh, let's see. Do you have an idea of a different approach that you let's could see. take? I wonder. Right? Have I changed anything? I don't think I really have. The most experimental things that I've tried to do was like doing our D&D room. But mm. no, everything else, very much the same. I Apparently I'm afraid of change. <laughs> Um, that's it's it's really interesting. If if anyone's listening to this and you, and you do design escape rooms in general, we would love to get feedback on on your process as well. Like yeah, I know my I know my haphazard arrowing isn't the process that everyone uses. Yeah, because you're you you've the sort of like the the grammar of your room design, you know, is is like like object connection puzzle yes. in that order. You 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 go. Here's Story room, object what objects puzzle. make sense. Yes. Yeah. Um, what objects fit this this setting? How could those objects connect to each other? Now we'll fit some puzzles in that justify exactly. the moments where people need to do puzzles. Yeah. And I think because of that, that's what leads to your rooms feeling uh, lot like like they make sense within the space, right? Oh. People talk about. I don't know which which of the words they are, mimesis or whichever, right, where, <laughs> you know, where... where Diegesis. Diegesis, yeah. Where the things that... You, your puzzles usually, or the, the room design, makes a lot of sense within the space. Things don't feel tacked on. Because you design the space first, and then you fit puzzles I try. Uh, of course, the escape room community is pretty forgiving on that front, so true, it's okay true. to... And even then, sometimes it's okay it's to do a bit, crazy, bit of but, suspension there. Um, do you do you think do you worry that if if you went the other way around and came up with a bunch of puzzles and then tried to fit them in the room things would stop feeling quite as as logical like they'd make as much sense? I think it's a risk because I haven't tried it I can't know. I think I do place enough importance on story that I wouldn't just leave it at that. Sure. I if I felt like it wasn't working satisfactorily. Is that the right word? Satis yes. Satisfactorily. Then I would hope that I could fix it until it felt good, but I would definitely be more worried about it. Okay. Um, all right. So, so you you pretty much you, you found your groove for <laughs> escape room um, structural design. I'm like R.L. Stein. I can do this forever yeah, now. You just, yeah, you just crank him out. Um, puzzle wise, as your approach to to the creation of a puzzle. Or, or what you would use to put into a puzzle, or, or like how you has that changed over time as well? I know some of the puzzles that we've used have changed, but again, once you're part way through season one, we've sort of had a general theme of the types of puzzles that mm. can exist. Is there anything that you're doing differently, or that you think you could do differently in terms of how to put these puzzles together? I think I'm seeing that there's more importance of balance. Like initially. A lot of the escape rooms that I'd done weren't very balanced in that regard. It was still 
several locks or several yeah. things that need words as the solutions, things like that. So I didn't mind putting lots of numbers in a single room or lots of word clues in a single room, lots of riddles in a yeah. single room. Um, but now I feel like I'm trying to be more balanced, like one riddle maximum. Never anymore, unless there's something for some reason particular about this room that riddles would be a big theme. Um, a number puzzle, yeah, just have one. There's no point having multiple unless they're interconnected. Mm. And trying to consider different senses and different things that people can engage with, like a colour puzzle. Yes, makes it a bit... Yeah, oh, we've done, But we've done colour puzzles fairly recently. Oh, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with colour puzzles. Just how they have to deal with it. No, I'm just saying that you can come up with it from that's you can start from that sort of point. Oh, I see. So like to come up with a puzzle, your first order is it's like color based. I think this one should be color idea. based. I think this one should be sound based. Okay, so what did, what dictates so that's like almost based on the sensory the, the sensory input of the puzzle, right? Yeah. This is a sight puzzle, this is a sound puzzle. Which this of is course a, is tricky for a podcast. Yeah, but when really everything's yeah, an audio puzzle. I try. Um so what 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 what's what what are the categories of puzzle? Like what what is you know, what is on that top level compared to a level below. Like, you can say a colour puzzle, but what about, like, a Simon Says puzzle, right? Is that Ooh. is that a level beneath that? Is that something that you might go, it's sound puzzle, now let's do it Simon Says style. It's a colour puzzle, let's do it Simon Says style. Or is it its own beast? See, it's interesting What's the line? because when you put it like that... I would not have categorized it like that as a color puzzle necessarily. That would have been me saying, okay, I think on the upper level, this is going to be a memory puzzle. A memory puzzle. Okay, sure. And maybe at some point I would say, cool, let's combine the color and memory idea to make this one. Mm. Um, but yeah, actually saying, cool, this is going to be a Simon Says game. It is going to be this many things long in a sequence. That's all the underlevel. Under okay. So let's, let's, let, I'm going to throw some puzzles that you've designed for rooms at you that I can just vaguely remember Ooh, okay. off the top of my head. And you tell me what, like, when you designed that puzzle, what was the, oh, what was I hope the, I can it's do a, this. this puzzle. So some recent ones probably. Okay. Okay. So one of the ones that sticks in my head mm -hmm. as a thing, especially because it's one of the most puzzly puzzles that we've done recently. Okay. Uh, in... You I think episode right? seven of, of this season. I'm not sure exactly the episode okay. number, so I'm not going to even try. Uh, creating three purple potions <laughs> to give to a tongue by using an on-off switch style mechanism to, to get those purple potions to exist. Hmm. What is that as a puzzle? I feel like that was actually super late in what I wanted. Like I knew I wanted... I knew I had three cauldrons. I wanted that. So I knew that there was going to be a three cauldron puzzle. That was always going to be a puzzle. <laughs> these, are, these are the top level designs. There's, uh, there's sight puzzles, there's sound puzzles, <laughs> there's memory puzzles, and there are three cauldron puzzles. Um, but I was actually stuck on this for a super long time trying mm -hmm. to figure out what I was going to do with them because I also had an ingredients drawer. I knew that they were going sure. to connect in some way. So I wanted to say, okay, so what is a puzzle that involves just throwing ingredients into cauldrons? And then I came up with the idea of needing to make them all the same colour. Okay. So in terms of like the archetype of this puzzle, what is that in your head? An experiment, an ex experiment, an experimental puzzle, like a... Uh, a something a, like, a, like that. There's something very similar a to... A feedback puzzle? Kind of. It feels like it almost fits into the same one of, oh, you need to make three liters, but you only have a two liter. Yeah, and no, 100%. A... I definitely understand what you, mean, yeah. what you mean in terms of the feeling of it. I don't know what, what is I want to call Is there a that. word for that type of puzzle? Then I'm sure there is, and I'm just not experienced enough to know what it is. Yeah. Huh. But yeah, so that was 
Yeah, that's totally it. Um, it was just starting with that basis and then coming up with exactly what I needed from it. Like, here are the coloured powders that you have. Here's what your goal is. Sure. Initially, um, the goal was going to be green because that makes sense. But uh, another another recent puzzle, one of the most like the, the biggest kind of puzzle puzzle of the of the, our latest room was the um, the signpost that <laughs> needed to be interpreted uh, at the in the in the our Dungeons and Dragons room. Uh huh. What what is that? How how did that puzzle come to be? It's a very good question. Let's take a look. Okay, okay. Well, I drew the picture of the signpost pretty early. Roads. Well, I had uh, underneath roads, I said, puzzle to know which road is right. That was all I started with. Okay. I just went, cool, there has to be a puzzle to know your directions. And again, I think I may have just started with trying to be semi-realistic in that, okay, well, how do you know what directions things would be in? Normally the signpost would just tell you. So mm. what if letters had been erased? what would be a good way of making letters erased again with it actually being a puzzle and not mm. just too obvious. Now, I think if you compare the two puzzles, it's really interesting because the the potions puzzle is a process puzzle. Yes. Right? It's a puzzle where you, you have a solution and you work your way towards it, whereas the signpost puzzle is an association puzzle. It's a you've seen the answer to this puzzle somewhere. Yeah. And once you find that it connects, once you can identify that it connects, you've solved it, right? Mm -hmm. It's a as soon as you've identified the the connection, it's right there. You've done it. You've done the puzzle. There's no process to it at all. It's which purely it's purely aha. Is you know, often but, which is often the more enjoyable kind. Mm. So I try to make that most of what's going on. Sure. Um, but you know, I like a good process sometimes as well. It's okay once you. Th there is also a certain joy in being able to say, "Oh, okay, now I know what I'm doing. Let's figure out how we can do that." We've done that before uh, when playing the Nancy Drew games and things like that. When we wrote down the whole mm. process of what to do, and it was so satisfying when the thing that you wrote down worked. Yes, yeah, yeah, real big process. Process usually, though, you're right. Process isn't usually the main focus of the puzzles that we've got. Mm. They're, 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 there's a lot more association to them. That said, I will say that signpost puzzle was unusual in that I had said, cool, there needs to be a puzzle here. Yes. And that it still turned out to be an aha sort of puzzle. Mm, that's true. That's true. It's a little unusual, but I like it. Yeah. Um, if we go back to, say, the bakery room that we did early this season, uh -huh. when I talk about the, the, those two types of puzzles, I want to say that, like, uh, something like something like the use of the scrolls for their intended purpose. Mm. Would you consider that a puzzle? No, I consider... Or that's just part of kind of room exploration or I consider most of, of that Aharian connection-y. Um, the big puzzle presumably would have been to do with the, the menu. I can't exactly remember the process of it, but the working out answers to things based on the menus of sweet and savoury items. And there are two separate puzzles based on those as to how you had to deal with those boards. Interesting, because I still don't think I ever really considered that to be one of the puzzly puzzles because it was still very observational. Mm. And I guess because the action that you were taking wasn't to sit down and solve a puzzle, the action that you had to take in order to solve that was, well, I guess we eat stuff. Fair. So I don't know, for some reason, the only one that I have really listed as a puzzle for that uh, is... Well, the blinds on the door yeah. that match the way you want your bread sliced. 
uh, which then made the slicer write out numbers. Those sure. were the only puzzly sorts of things that I had, which is interesting. Okay. Yeah, that one was... Fairly puzzle light in a weird way. It was very... No, like even that. I was... do have something that says colors match chairs and tables, which was That's the hardest right. part. That's right. That was the hard puzzle. Yes. That was the one that was a real puzzle. So what was that? That was obviously was that a color puzzle in your head to design? So this color is color and shape. This is the this is um for people uh, who can't remember that room very well. Uh, that was your recreating front window displays mm. based on the furniture near the front window display, yeah. matching that with foodstuffs. Um, so that's a color puzzle. It's a shape puzzle. Yeah. It looks like in my notes, it was initially just going to be a color puzzle because I had the, I had a wrapping station and so I needed some way to use that. And so I came up with those different colored ties, depending on how old the bread was. Sure. So that would have been where I got, okay, this is going to be a colors idea from. And then I decided to combine it with shapes as well, because there are multiple different shapes in the room that I hadn't used excessively either. (laughs) Fair. Um, okay, lovely. So it's very strange just going, okay, a bakery. What's in a bakery? Well, you got bread, you got pies, you got sweet stuff. And you say, whoa, that's a lot of food. How do I use f- several foods in different ways? <laughs> Fair. Not easy. Okay. Um, so I made one of them. The solution was to eat it. One of them was to use it as a rolling pin. <laughs> one of them was to dive into it and find money. Sure. Um, all right. Well,. So, so again, the realism can sometimes be a worry because fair. it feels like things are too repetitive or not repetitive puzzle, enough. not puzzle enough. <laughs> mm. And so you've got to work really hard to try to make things different. Is that something that's happened to you many times where you felt like, oh, no, I don't have enough puzzles in this room. I just need to like I need to force a puzzle into this into this space. Is that a concern of yours? It sounds bad when you put it that way. Yes, though, I have definitely looked at some of my notes and gone, oh, these arrows look a bit sparse. <laughs> added some steps. Added some- some I mean, that makes sense. That's just refining an idea to make it enjoyable for yeah, gameplay. It seems to have rarely actually been an issue. Like when, mm. like that bakery room, I was terrified. Look at the arrows for that. They're so simple. They are. I was really worried that was going to be a painfully easy room. It was a weird, it was an interesting room, that one, in it terms was, of how we had to yeah, approach it. Yeah, uh, apparently it was super different from very, a normal structure. Strange. We also only had one player. But Which yeah, made a that's difference. true. That's true. But I, I had the same exact yeah. issues they had. Not like, oh, I have issues. No, with the no, room. I get you. I hit the same walls. I hit it the was, same. The, the it same. was different, and I didn't expect it to feel mm, different. It really was. Mm. Um. So, overall, overall, really, you haven't changed at all in two years. No. You do exactly the same thing. Yep. You just do it better. <laughs> do you think you do it better? Fingers crossed. Do you think? Do you think your rooms have improved in two years? I think my notes have certainly improved in two years. Fair. Mm. Yes. Yes? I do think so. I, I I mean, I always tried to incorporate the story and everything like that. I think I've just come up with a more refined way of doing it, and I think I've tried a little bit harder to press emotional buttons that make people feel invested. <laughs> sure. Like, I feel like being invested in Chester's D&D world happened more than being invested in the next top model world. Yes, Even though fair. there were still plenty of characters and plenty of things going on with that. No, but you're right. It was more investmenting, mm. investigating. And I think that may have been because initially, even though I was still trying to be all story heavy, I was still extremely puzzle heavy as well. Sure. And maybe I just hadn't found a good balance yet. Okay. Uh, do you ever, when you're designing rooms, do you reject rooms 
that you think are fun because you can't make a good escape room out of them? Have you ever come up with a concept of like, oh, this would be a nice setting for a room and then realised halfway through, I've only got four objects, none of them feel like they connect, I can't think of any puzzles. Is that something that's happened to you? Or can mm. you, do you think you can make a, an escape room out of pretty much anything? <laughs> that's a big call. In um, a dog, in a dog house, let's go. I wouldn't say that I've rejected things consciously. I do still have like a hugely long list of things, most of which I have done by now. Mm. Uh, Although even yesterday we were talking about like, how have we not done this style of room? I have video game written there. It's been there for months. I haven't done it. And just hasn't happened. I don't know. Small town, wild, wild west room. That'd be a good setting. Yeah. That would be a good setting, sort of. But then, oh, it'd be a good arc setting where each where you, like you have to capture, you have to round up the the you know the the posse of whoever, and each and they each have their own place in the. Sounds great, to, but how many different? Like, okay, let's go. You got with that. a mine shaft. You got a saloon. You've got a, a, an open prairie. You got the big city. What you got, are you gonna put in your escape room? Open prairie, bison. You've got um. You got a train. You got to get on a on a steam train and, and capture them there. Uh, one guy's in the middle of holding up a bank, and you're and you kind of have to sneak <laughs> in and get uh, just Red Dead Redemption quests. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, um, but you see what I mean, and that it feels like it's okay. But one coming up with a meta story so it doesn't feel like you're just repeating the same yeah. thing over and over again. Turns out you're the end of the bad guy. Yeah. They're all your posse. You end up for one last score. <laughs> But also, it does get tricky. There are repetitive things and that yeah. sort of thing. There are only so many objects people know about the Wild Wild West. Jim West, Desperado. Um, so why is that a harder theme than individual rooms in the same mansion? Why is that more oh, varied? Oh, it was super hard to do them in the same mansion. So what, what, why did you stick with it? What, what, how did you justify finding 10 different rooms in a mansion? Just because once you realised you could count to ten rooms in a mansion, you went, great, that's, a, that's an arc now? You know entirely what it was, because I was so inspired by Luigi's Mansion. Do you remember how Luigi's Mansion made every mission different? And I have one in particular in mind, the baby. The baby was what started this entire <laughs> arc, I'm pretty sure. Do you remember the baby's room in Luigi's Mansion? I remember it teleports you to a boss fight, doesn't it? Kind of, it like mini, it shrinks you, put it in its, puts you in its bed ah, while it goes, that's... throws giant toy blocks at you. Cool. And it's so different from anything else that happens in the game. So I sort of went, these ghosts and their personalities can impact these totally normal seeming rooms in a way that makes it achievable. And it was bloody hard. And there are certainly rooms that I'll never want to do again. I don't want to see a bathroom again. But. I felt inspired enough by that game to think that it could be done. Cool. All right, here's my pitch for the Wild West one. Mm -hmm. Starts off rounding up people who are part of someone's gang, and eventually you add more and more supernatural themes into it, monsters and, and, and zombies and, and other stuff that's going crazy. Then the final part is the first session of a Deadlands campaign <laughs> that we start as an entirely new podcast where we just play Deadlands. Nice. Done. Not at all self-aggrandizing. Done. This leads up to a Deadlands show. And we call that show... Bite This Bullet. Uh. <laughs> I love it. Done. We got a new show. Actually, the, la the last room that I was designing, uh, the one that I'm still currently sort of designing, I've done most of it now, uh, started out very much like that because it's a time travel room. It's a historical location. I thought, cool, this is going to be a cool one to set. And then I looked it up and went... 
Oh boy, this is a lot more boring than I thought. <laughs> Fair. So I've had to take some creative license for that. But yeah, it was just, oh no, this place that I thought would be super cool is just a bunch of tables. Oh no. Oh dear. <laughs> it's like if you went on the Orient, if you tried to set one on the Orient Express and you realized it was just your regular passenger train and every car was just it's seats. Just seats. <laughs> Fair. Um, all right. Well, we've been talking for about an hour about this. Oh, nice. Overall, do you think your advice to people who want to design rooms, do you think there's anything more to it than, than in our original Did uh, I even give advice in the original? I'm pretty not. sure my advice is a big disclaimer saying, this is what works for me. I don't know. Find something that works for you. Is that still your general advice or do you think you've cracked the code? <laughs> No, I've cracked my code. I will never have the self-assurance to think that I've got something that works for all humanity, except create a competent bad guy. If you're going to have a bad guy, they can't, unless it's meant to be a funny comedy thing, like uh, with Dave's room of the bad escape room. Like, that's hilarious. Yes, that is very funny. So unless you're going for comedy, your bad guy has to be competent. And that's just a big story writing. (laughs) That's got nothing to do with escape rooms. (laughs) Danny hates competence, is what she's saying. No, people keep asking online, oh, what makes the villain that's so appealing? Like, why do we like these villains? Why do we like reading about them? And it's really obvious and people seem to still question it. It's because they're good at what they do. People like it when people are good at stuff. <laughs> cool. All right, well, let's, uh, let's leave that there. All right. Um, it's been, it was interesting, especially because we, we didn't get to talk about arc design really on the last one. We've talked about mm, it a little bit oh, on well. and off in post shows, but it's good to really kind of solidify it having done two and designing your third coming up with arc design is so rewarding i know that people come and they design their own room and then they say how that it was difficult and that it took them a while if if you feel like you have it in you even if it's only like a three room arc i reckon you should do one because when it works it feels lovely like descend to the coladens and i I still that's my favorite thing i've done that's awesome um, wonderful. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, thank you all for supporting the show. Uh, we, yeah, uh, we're finishing off in 2019 and it's been a spectacular year. We've had some really good, like so many guest rooms and wonderful guests and a lot of support from the audience. The support on Patreon has been spectacular. Well, uh, we've actually got a new Patreon goal at the moment, which is that at a thousand dollars a month, which we're, we're, we're you know, you know, is that we're, new? Catch up to Newish. Uh, we're going to try and do a book of the first season. We're going to basically try and get the first season all produced into a lovely, nice book to, to sell. I don't know. I, maybe we'll make that available cheaper for patrons uh, and oh. then sell it to other people. Yeah, we'll I'm figure sure. out. I don't we've know, also we've been looking at the possibility of, I don't know, as part of the same book, as part of a separate book, redesigning a few of them so that they can be done as single-player games. I think that is a separate project. Yeah? I think we're going to start doing those as just a thing. I think we should try and get on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so look, if you want to support as of, as of now, as of, as of a few weeks before this, but really for 2020, this is all we're doing. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've, I've left, I've mostly left my job. Yeah. We, so we've decided we can, to enter gamble time. Yeah. So we're going to be trying to, well, now I'm, now I've, now the podcast's over. <laughs> I'm, I refuse to work with you again. Um, so now Look, yeah, really, we are, because of your support, we can try this. 
but we don't yet have we don't even have the money to live on this. So maybe at some point we'll go back to needing to work so we can eat food. But for now, we're we have giving entered it a, try. a time so, where we can experiment and see if we can turn this into something. So if viable. this if if you've been thinking about donating and and been putting it off, it would be a brilliant time for us if you started. <laughs> but also, if you know people who like podcasts or like puzzles, or if you have anyone you can talk to. Now's the time to, to spread the word about the show. If you want to review us online in or post about us in places. It's always hard to promote your own show, but if you promote our show, we'd be very happy. Go post about it on the podcast subreddit or, 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 or on Twitter or anywhere because really 2020 is a year trying to focus on growth and getting this to a point where it can just sustain us because we love this. And we love making and this. We still have so many things that we want to put out exactly. there and be able we're, to do for we it. We just started doing Solve This Murder. If you're not listening to Solve This Murder, go listen to it. It's great fun. It's like our bonus episodes where we do murder mysteries, except they're all original and I'm terrible at it. Um, <laughs> so that's a new show. So listen to that and spread the word about that. Um, there'll be more and more projects coming throughout the year and through the rest the end of this year. We've started Twitch streaming. I don't know if any of you like watching people play video games but we've been playing through nancy drew we just finished the, those games one of, are so good we finished our first ever nancy drew game playing through uh ghost dogs of moon lake we're now playing curse of blackmore manor again we've, we've never played nancy drew before this and it's been huge amount of fun playing those um i'm actually going to as soon as i finish recording this go and play some darkest dungeon on twitch so nice. come and hang out if you're listening to this before it's been uploaded um <laughs> which you can't do. Uh, oh, what? What? They can't do that? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, yeah, so look, this is the year, the year coming that we're going to just... If there's any way that you can think of to help support the show, tell people about it. And we're not just trying to sit and do exactly the same thing You've and got more stuff get more stuff happening. out. We have so much stuff that we want to get out there in the world. Bite this bullet, Deadlands campaign. <laughs> uh, we'll have new new shows, new things happening, um, more Patreon interaction, more options there. Um, yeah, possibly whole new shows. Just trust YouTube us. Presence. There's going to be a lot of fun stuff happening. So this will be the year, 2020. It's the year of of us. The year of us, 2020, officially. <laughs> uh, so thank you all for supporting the show. It's made a huge difference. Um, and, yeah, let's hope it's an amazing year. Uh, so everyone have a wonderful holidays. We'll probably... There'll be a Christmas episode coming out soon. Maybe another bonus episode or two. Uh, we'll see the structure of them as we go. Um, all right. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. I hope it helped in some way. Yeah, design more rooms, everybody. Everybody.